You're listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Anthem Church. It is so good to be back with you guys. My name is Luke Hedinger. You might not recognize me because I haven't been here in like forever um, but uh, I have good reasons. I have good excuses. Uh, I, I think they're good. So um, it was crazy. A couple weeks ago, I, we, so Austin and I, we went to uh, Southeast Asia. Um, some of you might not have known that. <laughs> that, seems, that seems crazy, but it was. It was crazy. But uh, we went, we, we got to go over and just um, see what God is doing over there. And, and the cool thing about that is one of the things we were doing was just trying to figure out how do we, as a young church, as a, as a church plant, how do we have a, a global perspective? How do we um, build the kingdom and partner with places in the world where the gospel isn't? And how do we send people well? And how do we, how do we make that be a part of our core DNA as a church who's, who's just over a year old? So you can continue to pray with us in that because we are having um, some, some pretty lively conversations about what that looks like. And, and we want to be a church who, who um, cares for the nations. We, we want to do that. And, um, and so then last week, as, as Austin and, um, and Andrew um, said up here, that we, we were at the retreat and, and God did some amazing things. And so I encourage you to continue to pray for them because, because a lot of those decisions and a lot of those things, I, many of you know, you, you've had experiences like that where, where you're away, you're at a retreat, God does some amazing things. And then like real life happens, like real life doesn't stop. And so that happens, and, and so continue to pray for our students as they're trying to figure out, how do I, how do I live according to what I know in this context? So um, yeah, continue to pray for them. We are, we are in Nehemiah, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to chapter 10 of Nehemiah. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles available out at Info Central. We would love to get um, a Bible into your hands if you don't have one. But we are in Nehemiah chapter 10. We're going to continue looking um, at, this, uh, at this story, at this, at this journal that Nehemiah records. And, and as you're turning there, um, I, I want to confess something. I, I believe that one of the most cancerous things in the life of a church is fake people. Know what I mean? Like we, we all, one of the most cancerous things in the life of a church is fake people, imitation uh, people, those, those people. And when I say that, some of you, some of you may be like, well, I don't, I don't know what you mean. Some of you are like, oh, I totally, yeah, I agree. You know those people where, where when they talk to you, they're just all smiles or, or they, you know, they, they, they like love you, they're all for you and, and they say the right things because it's the right context. But then, but then it's like, I, I know that this isn't genuine. There's just something about this interaction that's just, this isn't real. Have you experienced that? Or, or those people where, where you, you see them in one context and they, they look one way and then you see them in another context and they look completely different and you're trying to figure out, okay, which one is real? Because, because that, that is, that's cancerous, right? And, and I'm all about some fake things, like some imitation things. I'm all about it. Like one time my dad bought a whole bunch of Oakleys on the side of the road. Um, and I think they were like two bucks a piece. I, 
He was so excited about the deal he got until it's like, yeah, dad, that, those, those aren't, that Oakley's aren't sold that way. Like, I, I hate to tell you that. Or like when, when Austin and I, we went to a, a couple markets overseas and, and uh, he bought some Ray-Bans for, I think, like, what, two bucks? And it's like, we all know, right, that, that Ray-Bans cost more than $2, but I'll wear fake Ray-Bans and fake Oakley's all day long, right? I, I love imitation bacon bits. You put that on my salad. That's the only way that I'll eat salad. The, the thing I don't like, though, that's imitation and fake is like turkey bacon. Like, that's not bacon, right? The only people who think turkey bacon tastes good are the people who've never had bacon because they think it's bad for you or something like that. Right? We, I, I think there are, there are some places where it's like, okay, imitation, I get it. But when it comes to people, it's, it's, it's worse than turkey bacon. Like, it's, it's cancerous. It's detrimental. It's, it's, it's almost, can we, can we almost say it's just unsettling and, and on the verge of disgusting? And I think the thing that I have a problem with more than, more than, than turkey bacon, more than, more than fake people or imitation people is when I know that that's me. You know? Have you ever, have you ever had that? Where you know that, that there's just things inside of you or, or maybe, maybe what you know doesn't add up to, to like, it, it's not expressed in your actions, and, and you know that in this context, you're, you act this way, and when in this context, you act this way, and there's reasons behind that, and there's reasons for it, and all those different things, but that is cancerous, and that, that, that we all feel that. We all know that. And, and what, what I see in this passage and where we're going to go this morning as we look at this, this section of Nehemiah is that it takes more than just looking blessed to actually be blessed. Like being blessed is, is more than just looking blessed. Being blessed actually comes from being in relationship and being in, in alignment with the one who blesses. Okay, it's more than just looking the part. And that's, that's what I want to look at uh, this morning. So let's, let's turn to Nehemiah chapter 10. And we're going we're gonna to actually start with the very last verse of, uh, of chapter 9 because um, it, it just flows. All right, verse 38 of chapter 9 says, Because of all this, we make a firm covenant in writing. On the sealed document are the names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. All right, let's stop there. First of all, he says, because of all of this, all right, and yet you have to wonder if this is your first Sunday here, um, the because of all of this, all of this is referring to the first 10 chapters of this, of this book. Like, we, we've seen these people, the, the Israelites, these people who live in this city, we, we've seen them in, in shame and abandonment. Their walls are broken down. They are vulnerable to attack. The, the walls, I, last time I was in church, I spoke about the, the fact that the walls were a physical representation of the blessings of God, and people would walk by the people of God, the, these people who were supposed to be walking in blessing, walking in freedom, and they would look at them, and they'd see the walls broken down, and they'd say, ah, man, I thought, I thought they were supposed to be, like, special. What's wrong with them? They, they don't look like, they don't look any different than we do. They actually look worse than we do because they're just guilty about what they do. We're not even guilty about it. But they're, like, they're in shame, they're in disrepair. And yet, yet at this point in the story, in, in the account, the walls are built back up. The physical representation of God's blessing has been restored. 
And over the past two weeks, we've seen these people not only, not only are they starting to look the part, but they're starting to feel the weight of their sin and they're repenting and they're, they're turning from their sin and they're rejoicing in the grace. If, if you missed last week's message, go online, listen to it. It was incredible to hear and, and just remember the grace of God in our lives in, in, in response to our sin. God has forgiven us, and, and so they're repenting of their sin, and, and they're saying, because of all of that, now this is what we are going to do. Because of all of that, because of who we were, because of what we were experiencing, now this is what we're doing. The physical represent, representation of, of the blessing of God has been, has been replaced. The, they've repented of their sins. They are taking off their old identity, but, but there's, there's this new identity that they're saying, now we want to walk in this. We don't want to be fake anymore. We don't want to be imitation. We know that there's more than just looking blessed when it comes to, to being blessed. We want to be in right relationship with the blesser. From there on, uh, chapter 10 starts, and in chapter 10, verses uh, 1 through 27, we see the list of names of these priests and these Levites and all these important people that they put their name on this seal, and they say, this is what this is going to look like now. This is where we're going and I'm going to spare you me trying to um, read through all of these names. And we're going to pick it back up in verse 28. The rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all who have separated themselves from the peoples of the lands to the law of God, their wives, their sons, their daughters, all who have knowledge and understanding, join with their brothers, their nobles, and enter into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law, that was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our Lord and his rules and his statutes. Let's stop there. So we talked about where these people are coming from, and what we see is that they are separating themselves from their old lives. They're separating themselves from, from the peoples around them. And, and what we've seen, what we see in, in these people is what, what brought them into these things is they, they became like everybody else. They became like everybody else. They, they, they started to worship all the other gods. They, they sacrificed their God-given identity and said, no, nah, we're, we're good with just this. We're good with all of, all of these things. And what we see, first of all, that they're saying, look, we don't want to just look blessed. We want to walk in, in relationship with the blesser. And the first thing that they say is we got to continue walking in repentance. We need, to, we need to understand that there are things that we need to turn from. And this is, this, it seems like it's a continuation of what we've seen the past two weeks where they're saying, all right, there's, still, there's still sin in our lives. There's still things that are, that are keeping us from this new identity. There are still things that, that are holding on, right? And, and it's almost like Paul says in Ephesians 4, 22 through, through 24, I have it up on the screen. It says, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And that's who they were. Right? They're saying, we, we want to take this off. They're repenting. They're confessing. But it says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. They said, we want to take off our old identity, but we need to, we need to continue walking in who we are now. It's not just about repenting of sin. It's, it's, about, it's about walking in who God has called us to be. It's about, it's about actively seeking God. 
actively seeking our new identity, actively, actively putting to death the shame and, and just all of the baggage that comes with, with being in sin, saying that's, that's not who I am anymore through the, through the grace of God, through Jesus Christ. That's not who I am. I'm going to walk in, in who he's created me to be. But there's this, there's this idea they, they say in there in verse 30, or in verse 29, says they join with the brothers and nobles, enter into a curse and an oath. In Deuteronomy 28, when, when Moses is given the law of God, there's, there's this idea where he's saying, look, if you do this, if you follow me, if you continue to walk in me, this, this is what you, will, what you will have. There are blessings to be had when you are in right relationship with the blesser. But in, in Deuteronomy 28, he also says, but if you choose to walk contrary to that, if you choose to walk contrary to who, who I have made you to be and who I have, who I have called you to be, well, then there's curses. There's a realization that, that walking in, in contradiction to God means that we walk in, under a curse. And these people are saying, we're going to enter into this curse and an oath. And it's almost like, it's interesting to me that they didn't say, we're going to enter into a blessing and an oath. We're going to enter into a blessing, and, and yeah, there's the curse, but, but we're going to enter into the blessing. I think what, what they're doing is they're saying, we know what it's like to be in that curse. We know what it's like to be under that. We know what it was like. We, we acknowledge the fact that we were broken. We acknowledge the fact that we were living in shame. We were living in contradiction to our identity and who God has called us to be. We acknowledge that, and we say we're turning from that. We don't want to be fake anymore. We don't want to be imitation anymore. We're going to follow you. And then, and then it seems like they, they say, all right, and this is what this means. In verse 30, they say, we will not give our daughters to the peoples of the land or take their daughters for our sons. And if the peoples of the land bring in goods or any grain on the Sabbath day to sell, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on a holy day. And we will forego the crops of the seventh year and the exaction of every debt. I think it's interesting that when they start to say, all right, this is what it, this is what it means to be set apart. This is what it means to, to turn from this, to, to repent of this, and start walking in who God has called us to be, to, to pursue the blessing of who God has called us to be. I think it's interesting that they highlight the marriage and jobs. Do you see that? They, they highlight like, like relationships and work. And, I, and again, as I said earlier, I think the reason they start with the relationships is that's kind of what brought them to this place in the first part. They, they had, there were all these people in the land, and they started saying, okay, we'll, we'll kind of start intermarrying. We'll give, we'll give our daughters to, to you, and we'll take your sons, and we'll receive what, what you have to offer. And, 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 and it just kind of went from bad to worse to, to brokenness to shame. And what they, what they do is they say, no, we're not going to do that anymore. See, what, what happens is they, they say, being, being a person of God, being in right relationship with the one who blesses, that's going to change how we view relationships. Being in right relationship to the one who blesses, that's going to change how we, how we view marriage. 
No longer are we going to, are we going to go the way that, that our culture goes. No longer are we going to go after that. And, and, and no longer, it's going to change how, what, what, we, what we look for in a spouse. It's going to change the way we date and, and, and what is appropriate. It's going to change those things because, because we're, not, we're not like our culture. We're living according to what God has for us. Right? And, and, and the idea of the jobs, they say, all right, if people come to our city on the Sabbath day, on the day that God says don't do business, guess what? We're not going to do business. If, if people come and, and they talk about the seventh year and it's kind of the year of Jubilee and, and on that year God says, look, don't, don't harvest your crops. I'm going to give you enough in the sixth year. You don't have to do that in the seventh year. Let the land rest. And they hadn't been doing that. And so they say, all right, we're going to do that now. We're, the way we work, because we, are, we want to be in alignment with the one who blesses, the way we work is going to look different. See, and I think there, there is a, there's an idea in here. Not only are they highlighting relationships and, and, and the way we work, but they're saying, look, if our culture goes this way, we're going to go this way. And I think in the church, this is something that we struggle with and we deal with. Because there are, there are so many things that we look at and, and we look at the Bible and we, we see the Bible as kind of up for interpretation. Right? We see, we see these different, we see these different things and our culture is saying, well, but, but dating, I mean, what you do in dating is, you know, at this date, you, you go this far and that's, that's how it works. Or in jobs, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, you, you go this far, and, and this is what you do. I, I remember my, my dad, when I was younger, he bought a gas station in Herdland, Missouri. Anybody know where Herdland, Missouri is? No, nobody knows where Herdland. The people who live in Herdland don't even know where Herdland, Missouri is. I mean, it's just a spot on the road, and he bought a gas station there because he thought it was a good idea. Um, and, and I remember, um, I, was, I was young at the time, and, and so I'm sure he didn't share with me like, all the struggles and things that he went through, but, but there, was a, there's a, there was a thing, that, a struggle, kind of a crisis that he was going through, because as a believer who now owned a gas station, he had to struggle with, am I going to sell alcohol and, and tobacco in small town Missouri? And he came to the place where he said, I can't in good conscience do that because I know it destroys lives and I know that, that, that people will use that. And I, I don't want to, I, I can't do that in good conscience. And I can remember as a kid, and, and we always joke that uh, Hedingers just have kids because they have businesses that they need workers for. That's, that's the only reason Hedingers have kids. Um, and, and so I would be there, I'd be working, and I, I can remember my mom behind the cash register, people would come in and they'd say, give me two packs of GPC cigarettes or whatever the cheapest brand is, you know, and, and uh, my mom would say, I'm, I'm sorry, but we don't, we don't carry um, tobacco or alcohol. And people would, oh, I can't believe that, and they would start cussing her out. In small town Missouri, you know, my mom, she's like, this, some of you have met her, she's just kind of this, this little, you know, thing, and she's got a temper, but, uh, you know, and, and people would just start cussing her out, and, and, and it was just this idea that it's like, no, we will not do this. Even though our culture says you cannot run a business like this, we say, God says we can't run a business like you say, so who are we going to listen to here? And, and by the way, that gas station went under. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I wish I had a better end to that story, but it's, it kind of wasn't great. But it didn't matter. You see, the, 
us following God is more than just relationships. It's more than just a paycheck. It's more than just my job. It's who, who will you let in the driver's seat of your life? Because we look at culture sometimes and we say, well, well, but maybe we need to make this gospel thing a little more palatable. Maybe we need to be more seeker friendly. Maybe we need to, to do this because the culture says this is okay for, for entertainment. So maybe we just need to cool it on that. Or the culture says this is the way that dating goes. So maybe we just need to, to cool it. Maybe, the culture says this is okay for sex to be used in this way. So maybe we need to be okay on that. And we get to this place where, where we can't say anymore that, that like abortion is actually murder. And, and we can't say anymore that, that babies being killed is, is evil. And, and we have to be careful if we talk about like race, race issues because some people don't believe that's a thing and, and some people you know, believe that whatever. And, and so we kind of have to say, well, you know, like oppression by one person over another person, you know. We, we can't say that that's evil, which it is, and it's not biblical, right? And, and, and we have to be careful about those things, and we have to be careful when we talk about men and women being made as men and women for a purpose and a reason, and it's God-given, and it's beautiful. We can't say some of those things because, because our culture has gone so far, and so we as a church, we say, well, let's go this way. And what, what we see here, when, when he's highlighting jobs and relationships, he's saying, no, we will go the way God goes, no matter what our, what, no matter what our culture does, because we want to be in alignment with the one who blesses. We want to be in relationship with God. Right? He goes on, he's, he's talking about these different things, and, and I, I love it because it, this has implications, it has implications and not only in our relationships and our jobs and all these different things that have outward implications. And again, I want to stress the fact that I'm not talking about being sensitive to people who are struggling with these issues. I'm not talking about that, okay? I hope you don't hear that. We should be sensitive because I think lots of times what we do as Christians is people come. The other day, I was in a conversation. I think it was with Rachel. We were having a conversation, and I was a little too ouchy. And so I had to say I was sorry to Rachel. And, and Stan was in the vehicle, too, and I was like, hey, Rachel, I'm sorry. And Stan's like, yeah, Luke, you should say you're sorry. I'm like, I am. <laughs> I already felt like I should say I'm sorry. You don't have to do that. You know? I, but I think that's what we do as Christians. People feel broken, and they feel convicted over their sin, and we say, oh, yeah, you, let, me tell you, let me tell you more ways that you should feel more convicted. And we try and take the role of the Holy Spirit when we don't need to do that. Right? We, we, don't, we don't need to do those things. And, and so I'm not talking about being sensitive to people who are going through those. We, we don't need to add brokenness where God is breaking. We don't need to do that. What we need to do, though, what I'm talking about is what we believe is true and what we believe is false. Holding to those things. That has implications. It has implications in our relationships and our jobs. And, but, but then go on, verse 32. He says, we also take on ourselves the obligation to give yearly a third part of a shekel for the service of the house of our God, for the showbread, the regular grain offerings, the regular burnt offerings, the Sabbaths, the new moons, the appointed feasts, the holy things, and the sin offerings to make atonement for Israel and for all the work of the house of our God. 
We, the priests, the Levites, and the peoples have likewise cast lots for the wood offering to bring it into the house of our God according to our fathers' houses at times appointed year by year to burn on the altar of the Lord our God as it is written in the law. He, he goes on to, to talk about and, and to kind of lay out what it looks like to worship God in this context, in the temple context. He talks about the showbread. He talks about the, the, the shekels being given. He talks about the, the, the grain offerings. And he talks about bringing in the, the newborns and, and, and sacrificing in the way that God, God deserves to be sacrificed to and worship in the way God has ascribed to be worshiped. And what I see there is not only are there implications when we say, I want to be aligned to God, the, the giver of blessings, I want to be aligned to God in relationship, and, and there are those outward implications where it's like, in my job, this is what it looks like, in, in my relationships, this is what it looks like. There, there's not only implications for that, but there's also implications for, for inward. How am I going to worship God? How are we going to, to worship God as, as a community of people, as, as individuals, as a community? What does that look like? What, is it, what does it look like for us to, to truly worship? And what I see here is that in, in, verse, in verse 28, it says, these are people who know, who have knowledge, they're coming together and they're saying, this, we, we know what we're supposed to do. But what we see here is over and over and over again, Nehemiah talks about the, the temple of our God, the house of our God. In verse 39, he says, we will not neglect the house of our God. Over and over again, he's saying, we're going to worship God and we're going to own our faith. See, because these people, again, these were people who knew what they were supposed to do, but we all know that knowing is different than doing, don't we? We all know that. We all know that knowing is different than doing. I was, I was talking to my kids last night. We were around the dinner table, and I told Jackson I was going to share this story so I didn't have to owe him money. But uh, um, I, I, uh, we, Last night with supper, parents, you, you probably can relate to this. Uh, he was, um, left his dish out, and I was like, Jackson, you put your dish in the dishwasher. He's like, I, I know. And he takes his dish, and he, he rinses it off, and, and he sat it there, and I think Albertine looked over, and it, it was sitting right beside the dishwasher, like right, <laughs> right beside the dishwasher. And I was like, Jackson, you got to put your dish away. I know. <laughs> and, and there's... There's this idea of like, well, well, I know what I'm supposed to do, and so, so that's the same, right? But, but we all know it's different, and, and even this morning as I was thinking through it, you know, I can, I can use him as an example and my kids as an example, but I don't have to look very far to see it in my own life, right? We, we, have, we feel this, and we can look at our kids and say, oh, kids, oh, oh, those kids, you know? But it's, it's in here, I mean, there, were, there was a time not too long ago that I, was, I knew I was supposed to talk to Stan about taking some vacation days because my wife and I were going to go do something, but it, there was a, 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 a conflict. I had to be here for something, and I kept thinking, ah, i got to talk to him, but I don't want to have this conversation. You've been there? I don't want to, ah, this is going to be, ah, there's going to be conflict. I don't want, and weeks went by, <laughs> and I'm like, I know I need to do this, and I know this, and, and then... Stan found out from somebody else, and that's always the worst. Yeah, ugh. Stan found out from somebody else. He's like, hey, dude, what, what's up with this? Like, you're going to be gone? Well, we, we, I was like, ah, I know. But knowing is different than doing, isn't it? 
We all know that we need to eat right and exercise. But last week, I, I had my birthday, for many of you who didn't know that, uh, thank you, but uh, I had my, had my birthday, and my wife makes this incredible chocolate pie, incredible. And as I was eating that chocolate pie, I was just worshiping and just like, God, you are real and you are good because this chocolate pie is proof. But as I was eating, it's like, this is terrible for me. <laughs> How? <laughs> we all know, but knowing is different than doing. When, when we were overseas, there, we, this, I think this proves it really well. Austin and I, whenever we'd go into a convenience store or wherever, they would have packs of cigarettes, you know, behind the counter. And packs of cigarettes overseas would have these huge pictures. I thought about grabbing one and putting it on the screen, but it's too disgusting. They would, have, they would have pictures. Almost, you couldn't even tell what brand of cigarette it was because the picture on the, on the pack was so big, and it just showed what will happen to you if you continue to smoke. Like, it showed people with, like, their throats gone, people with jaws hanging off. Like, it showed, like, lungs. Like, and it was, like, every time you'd pay, it's like, oh, you know, I don't know. But, but the, the thing about being over there is everybody smoked. Like, everybody smoked. Like, the dogs were smoking. And there was so, everybody smoked. Because knowing is different than doing. If it worked to quit smoking by just putting, like, that stuff on cigarettes, then nobody would smoke over there, but they do. See, and in the same way, I've had times in my life where I know that I need to repent. I know that I'm acting fake. I know that, that I need to ask for forgiveness from people. I know that, that I am, I just know that there are things in my life that are contradictory to what I believe. But knowing's different than doing. But what we see in this passage is we see these people saying, look, we're no longer okay with just looking blessed. We're no longer okay with just knowing. We're going to put our knowledge into action, and we're going to let it dictate what we actually do. And I think there are many of us who come to church, and we're in that place. We've had that experience. We know we know all the things. We know, that, we know that our sin is detrimental to us. We know that it is destroying us. We know that it's bringing shame on us. We know all of those different things, and yet we need to come to a place where we let our knowledge start dictating our actions because knowing is different than doing, and we as believers, if we are going to align ourselves with the, with the blesser, with the one who gives blessing with God, then we need to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. There's so many of us who have come to that place where we say, God, I'm, I'm not okay with just being fake anymore. I'm not okay with that. Forgive me. Take this. Let me, I, I want my job to be different. I'm, I want my relationships to be different. I don't know what that means, and sometimes that's scary because, because we look at God and we say, well, what if, God, what if, what if I give in to this and, and you don't show up? What, it's, it's almost like when my kids learn to ride their bike, you know, and, and many of you have had this experience, and they're on their bike, and they're looking back at me, and I'm holding on to that seat, and they're saying, what if, what if, you, what if you drop me? What if you drop me? What if you let go? I just told them, I'm not going to let go until you're ready. I'm your dad. I don't want you to be hurt. I don't, I, I won't let go of you. I have you. 
But we look at jobs and we look at relationships and we look at things in our life and we say, well, what if God doesn't come through? And, and what, what we see here is, is this, this outward expression of saying, I want to be in relationship. We, it gets rid of the what ifs because the what ifs, they can't drive our life. We have to put God in, in, the right, in the right position in our life. We have to let God be the Lord of our lives. But not only that, but we as a people, we need to come to a place where we say, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to be okay with just knowing I want, to, I want my actions to show this. Uh, and, and we come to this place where we say, yes, God. Like our retreat last week, we say, yes, God, I want to follow you. I want to worship you. I want to be part of these people. And, but, then, but then how many of you, how many of us have come to this place where we say yes to God, and then it seems like in the same breath, we say yes to the world, or we say, say yes to other things, or, or we realize like, I want you so badly, but, but there's something else that's, that's working its way in my life, and there's a sin, and I don't know, how to, I don't know what to do with this. I don't want to be fake anymore, but, but it just seems like I just keep doing what I don't want to do. And I think the beautiful part about this, as, as the people in this passage are saying, we're going to enter into a curse and an oath. Those of us who, who sit here and we say yes to God, we need to realize that Jesus took the curse that we deserve. Jesus took the curse because we, we stand and we say, yes, God, yes, I, I enter into this. And, and yet we can't with the same breath. It's like, I, I don't know how to do this. And so the curse, we, we deserve it. The Bible says all have sinned. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. It's eternal separation from God. And yet Galatians Three, have it up on the screen, Galatians 3, 13 through 14 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. As it is written, curse is everyone who hangs hanged on a tree. It's talking about the cross. Right? Curse is everyone who is hanged on a tree so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. See, what Paul is saying here is he's saying, yes, we deserve the curse, because we have been fake people. We have, we, you, ever, you ever click the box? Like, I just got an update on my, my phone last night. And you ever, you come to that end where it's like, have you read and, or I have read and I agree with all these. You ever do that? I don't, I don't even know what that line says because I don't even read that. I just click on the box. It's like, yep, I agree. And I don't let it do anything else to my life. I think so often we look at Christianity and we, we look at it in the same way and we don't let it affect anything we do and we live deserving a curse and yet the awesome thing that Paul says is that Jesus took that for us. Jesus took that curse so that we might walk in the blessings of God. And guys, what, what I was thinking about this morning is that some of you here, as, as you're thinking like, okay, yeah, I'm, yeah I need to confess. There are, there are things that I know I need to confess. There are things that I know I need to stop doing. There, there are things that I've allowed my life to look more like the culture than like someone who is in relationship with God. And I know I need to confess. Or some of you, you're saying, okay, there are things I know I need to start doing. I know I need to go talk to my neighbor. I know I need to go talk to this person about Jesus, but, but I've, been, I've been concerned with the what ifs. 
I've been concerned about what if I do this and, and what if this and what if God drops me and what if he's not faithful and what if, what if I end up single forever or what if I get fired or what if, what if all these different things. You see, what we need to do as a people is we need to, we need to put to death the what ifs and allow God his rightful place in our lives. Some of you, that means baptism, and that's happening next week. You've made a step, and you've said yes, you've said yes to God, and now you need, to, you need to respond in obedience, and you need to make that public, and, and, and that's an awesome and beautiful thing. And I would encourage you guys to have that conversation and talk to us what, more about what baptism means. But some of you, you're still under the curse. And the reality is if we die under that curse... We are eternally separated from God. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 57. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is a law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, the sting of death is sin. What that means is we're, we're all going to die. That's, that's going to happen. We're all going to die. But if we die still under the curse that we deserve because of what we've done, we stand before a holy God, cursed, and that stings, and we will be separated, but the, but the reality is, is that Jesus has taken that on himself. So as a church, as a body, as, as people, I want to encourage you, let's not just look blessed, let's be in right relationship with the blesser through Jesus Christ. And let's start letting our actions actually dictate, or our, our knowledge dictate our actions, right? Let's, let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the fact that you took the curse on yourself. God, I thank you so much that, that we can trust you, that, that, we can, that we can put our faith in you. God, I praise you that, that um, the what-ifs, God, there are some of them that feel so real and they feel so scary, but God, you are bigger and you are better than those. Even if our whole world crumbles, God, you are good. And I praise you that through Jesus Christ, through the, through the sacrifice that, that he gave to us on the cross, he became the curse and we can walk in blessing. So let us be people who not only look blessed, but who are in right relationship with you, the one who blesses. And it's in your name, amen.